Glory to God. Well, uh, today we're going to continue to talk about, or we're going to start, and then next week we're going to continue to talk about marriage. And uh, today we're going to talk especially upon the design of man uh, and basically uh, why God gave Adam a wife. And um, <clears throat> that is very, very important to understand and to know. And I think that is crucial in having a successful marriage and having a happy marriage. You know, we can be married for 20 years but not happily married. And that is a problem. You know, uh, we don't want, you know, in a marriage we don't want the one to rule the other one. Uh, the one to um, try and be the other one's boss. Uh, we don't want the man to be this ruler. We don't want the wife to manipulate and control the husband. Excuse me, <clears throat> that is not what uh, marriage is all about. Marriage is all about the gospel. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about grace. And I want to tell you now that um, to have the, the, the marriage God intended, uh, I'm not saying that there are people that cannot have a fairly happy marriage. You know, there are people that are happily married, they're not even Christians. But to have what God intended, it is impossible to have that outside of understanding the message of God's grace and, and love. It's, outside, it's impossible to have that outside of... Um, having the revelation of our original design and what was going on in the Trinity. Uh, at best, we could have in Christianity today, without understanding this, just a set of rules wherein we take the, the Bible and we say, this is what the Bible says the husband must do, and that is what the wife must do, and then from there we can base our doctrine and so die. That is sorry for being so radical but that is it and there's been so many books written there's been so many courses and seminars that it's just it's just a legalistic law based system wherein you know um, wherein one of the two parties be it either the man or the or the wife is try you know it tries to correct the one in you know this is what you must do for the wife and if you don't do it then she'll do that and if you don't submit like that to the husband then he's going to do this and whatever listen our actions and who we are in marriage does not derive from one another. It derives from God. Now you might right there want to switch off this computer, but um, let me say it again. And that is the truth, and your spirit knows it's the truth. In marriage, who you are in marriage does not derive from who and what the other one does, but from your revelation of who God is and a successful healthy marriage will come when two people are both having a wonderful intimate relationship with God and can see in marriage what God intended for them to see when he created Adam and Eve um, you know Eve was created a help for Adam why did God make uh, create her to help Adam simple he needed help that's it. He needed help. That is how simple it is. He needed a certain affirmation. He needed a certain confirmation. He needed a certain way of... He needed to have a certain perception about things. And that is not found in even what the wife does. But in who and what she is. In the very same way, from the wife's perspective towards the man, who the wife is, is not found in what he does, but is found in who he is and what he resembles in the marriage. And that is where the true power is. And I'm going to try and explain that to you. Like I said, um, I think I've said it um, uh, before in the service, is I'm going to share some things that you might have never, never have heard. 
uh, as pertaining to marriage. Um, so be ready to have your brain stretched a bit. Be ready to listen to this again. Um, this is not going to be a place where I'm going to tell you what the husband must do and what the wife must do. Although in the first session we're going to focus on the design and the, uh, um, and, and the life that comes forth inside a man on account of the wife. Uh, what that means is, in, in the old language we would have said, the role of the husband. But I, want to, I don't want to put it that way because that is not what it is. Um, or the role of the wife, you're going to, you know, I don't want to talk that language. I want to talk about design, I want to talk about origin, I want to talk about God's gospel plan, I want to talk about our inclusion into, into what Christ has done, I want to talk about the Spirit bringing forth life. And if we cannot talk about marriage uh, along those lines, and we just come with this thing of, you know, husband spend more time with your wife and spend more time with your kids and, and wife submit more, do this, do this, give him more sex, give him this. Listen, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. I haven't seen it work. I've just seen people that submit to laws and use willpower and at the end of the day they're not happy. They're not really happy. They, are, they just conform to a certain system and the life of God is not born in them. We cannot have anything that's not authentic. We need to have, when it comes to a happy marriage, it needs to be authentic. It needs to be something that flows from the heart. It cannot be this will's decision, I decide to and now I prove to the other one. It, it can't work that way. It's got to have and got to start from a healthy relationship with God. And you might say, but my husband's not saved. My husband doesn't even want to listen to this, you know, or doesn't listen to this. Well, the best thing, I, the best advice I can give you is pray. Just pray. Just continue to pray, you know. That is what I, what I can tell you. Just continue to pray. Pray about it. Be who you are on account of Christ. Glory to God. You know, that, that, that is it. Let God bring forth His life in you. That is all in that situation. Now, there's a lot of things to say about, you know, what if my husband beats me? What if my wife cheats on me? Whatever. And we, can, we can still deal with that in some other session. That's what I'll talk about today. I'll talk about uh, a successful marriage and how the design, the framework wherein marriage was designed. Now, we're going to go to Genesis um, and we're going to read from Genesis chapter 2 uh, in the creation story. Here it says, And the Lord God commanded man, saying, uh, Let's read from verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Now, uh, very important here, or we can just, we can even see the word Aleph Tav there, 8853 eight, there. Uh, Aleph Tav, first and last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. In Greek, it's Alpha Omega. Took Alpha Omega, the man, and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. This, this also talks about a futuristic event, talks about what Christ has come to do for us as well. So just, just look at me quickly. The, when we talk about marriage, um, marriage is just a shadow. It's not the substance. Paul even said, you know, let me, let me show you talk about marriage, but these things actually talk about Christ. So, and I've said this before in one of my uh, messages on divorce. If you... Um, if you've been divorced, let the divorce only have the say of a shadow. A shadow can never determine the substance and the substance is not formed by the shadow, but the shadow is formed by the substance. So if I ill-treated the shadow, it doesn't change 
the substance. If I step on the shadow, if I throw mud on the shadow, it doesn't change the substance. For whatever you do to the shadow can never change the substance. So you cannot find your identity in, um, you know, have you been happily married? Are you, is your marriage happy or not? You can find your identity if you've been divorced 20 times even. You, you cannot find your identity into it. Uh, the only say it has is the same say as what a shadow has, is the same say as what the Old Testament shadow had, which we say it has passed away. You might say, but God hates divorce. Yes, it hates, he hates divorce on account of what the shadow um, would project, you know, and what it would talk about. So the shadow interpreted, divorce interpreted, would actually speak to God, separation from God and His man, you know, which is us from God and His people. He doesn't want us to be divorced from grace. He doesn't want us to be divorced from His love. He doesn't want us to be divorced from being fully one with Him. He doesn't want us be, to be divorced from Him bringing forth His fruit in us and not us bearing our own fruit by our own works. So, with that said, uh, you know, I'm sure you can have peace now as concerning divorce and stuff. You can stop it right here, rewind and listen to it again and just let the Holy Spirit set you free right there, you know. Enough of this, I so, feel so guilty because I've been divorced and whatever, and I'm in a certain category and whatever. And even pastors, you know, if somebody's been divorced in your church, listen, most of the people in your church has been divorced anyway. So let's not make this big thing of it, wherein we, we, we so bring condemnation in our preaching that the people that are there can never be set free from guilt in the depth of their heart. We want them to see their identity outside of their marital status. One day a guy came to me and he said to me, now he's a gay Christian. So I said to him, why do you call yourself a gay Christian? I don't call myself a straight Christian. Because my identity is not in my sexuality. My identity is in Christ. Uh, I, I said, that's the biggest problem I have with what you've just said. You call yourself a gay Christian. You can, you first gay and then you Christian. In the very same way with marriage, we find that people say, you know, I'm first divorced and then a Christian. I'm a divorced Christian. No. <laughs> you know, see yourself the way God sees you. Let Christ have the final word over your life and you can be set free from whatever, uh, you know, wants to destroy your thought pattern, destroy your conscience and all those kind of things. You can have His eternal life by His resurrection power and not your willpower. Right, um, let's go to Genesis again. So it says here, and God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Um, on the next time we can talk about uh, that dressing and keeping. It says, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. <coughs> For in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Uh, like I said, one commentary said, um, of its death you'll die. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Uh, I will make him a help meet for, uh, I'll make and help meet for him. And out of the ground of the earth, God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam uh, to see what he would call them and whatsoever Adam called every living creature that was the name thereof and Adam gave them names <coughs> gave names to all the cattle and all the fowl of the air and every beast of the field um, but for Adam there was not found an helpmeet for him okay now this is very important to understand you know, God says, I'll make him a help me. Then he makes animals and brings animals to, to, to Adam. Okay, and then he says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. 
um, and he slept and took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh uh, closed the flesh uh, closed up the flesh instead thereof and the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man made he a woman and brought her unto man and Adam said this now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called do you see here he names her she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man so Adam named all the animals that there was and there was no one found that could be a helpmeet for him and very very important information the information that God gives here in Genesis 2 talks about and wants to communicate the story it wants to tell us is a story of our design and from there we can understand marriage and nowhere, nothing else, I won't tell you that, nothing else that is the true source of life like we've had the grace message come to us and then apply it to tithing and sowing and reaping and then we see the truth as Jesus is the tithe and wow, you know the same we can take the grace message and apply it to marriage and see things that we could never see for legalism could never allow us to see that here God comes and He says I'll make you a helpmeet and look what God does he brings animals to Adam and then Adam named all the animals and when he named the animals he could um, you know when he named the animals actually that word name there means to declare their reputation it means to actually say who and what it is and then after he named every animal and animals were made from the dust of the earth so was man made from the dust of the earth and Adam, uh, these animals that was made from the dust of the earth they were not the same kind as what Adam was you know it was something now listen to this that was made from a certain substance our body can be made from the dust of the earth the bodies of the animals can be made of the dust of the earth okay so Adam couldn't find his identity in that we've been made of the same substance when God put a deep sleep upon Adam and then brought something out of who he is okay out of Adam then Adam said the reputation of this person or the history of this or the origin of this if I must name it uh, to declare its very being it says this is made out of me and that's what God wants to tell us he brings forth man out of himself we are not made out of what God is made out of if you want to call that God is love God is kindness God is mercy God is all these kind of things and the moment you try and be legalistic you want to look at the substances you know of which which is contained in God good relationship loving relationship um, words of affirmation words of all these kinds of things you know and then we want to say well you know now I find my identity and I want to say well maybe I've been created unto these good works but now I find my life and this is bone of my bone flesh of my flesh these good works no good works is not flesh of your flesh bone of your bone you know so when when God brought forth man he said I'm gonna bring forth man out of what I've already created and that is Jesus Christ that's where he's gonna bring us he's, he's gonna bring man forth out of that now there's a little bit of New Testament there but let's get back to the marriage thing here so here was Adam what happened God said 
And let me recap this thing, because this is, like I said, a mind stretcher. Adam, don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Oh my goodness, it's not good that he is alone. So what did God see? He said, here is Adam. I don't want him to partake of a belief system of works. He needs something or someone to help him so that he will not be a partaker of the works. And how will this being help him? Then God comes and He comes and He brings the design of things before Adam. He brings the design of an animal, you know, which was made of the dust of the earth, but not made in the image and likeness of God. You know, it's not something that comes forth from God, born from God. It was just created by God. Where we were, our bodies were made from the dust of the earth, but we were then had the breath of life in us, and God indwells us. And we are actually created from God. We're the fully God kind. So here we find Adam looking at animals and saying, by looking at the animals, by looking at creation, it doesn't help me. Help him with what? <laughs> it's not a help me. It's not something that he can behold. And when he looks at the name of this thing, when he looks at the design of this thing, that he can say, oh my goodness, this keeps me from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It is not the job, listen, listen to me, it's not the job of the wife to try and be the preacher in the house which tells the husband, you know, you're too legalistic here, you do this, you do that, you do that, or you must do this, you must do that, you must do that. That's not her job. That doesn't help. That is actually bringing him to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What's going to help is when the husband can see you for what God sees you for. That's why the solution for a happy marriage is in the husband having a relationship with God wherein he can have a revelation of his own design and when he looks at his wife he can say this is as much an, um, God or the God kind as what I am. And I even see in the Bible, it's taken from me. So when I look at my wife, I'm seeing my, I'm seeing the, the uh, uh, it, it reminds me and it shows me my design, it shows me my origin, it shows me and reminds me of the life that God has given me. Now let me explain that. When God made you, He made you when God made us. Okay, and this is true for every human, but let's talk about men now. When God made you, He made you in the image and likeness of Him. And nothing else. Okay? Then He wants you to have life by that truth and nothing else. And that is the only way you can have life. In that Trinity relationship as I've been preaching for hundreds of messages. But man has to have that truth in his mind all the time. So... When we have that truth in front of us of God, you know, and who we are and our original design, then we will not find our identity in works. But now God says, basically, God is a spirit. We are, we also possess a physical body that's made alive by the spirit. But that's not enough for man. 
It is not good that man be alone. What that alone means is, uh, because man wasn't actually alone, God was also there. But what the alone was talking about was, it's not good that man cannot see himself. He, he must see himself inside someone else that's exactly like him, that also possesses a physical human body. So it's not good that man cannot find, uh, you know, that man is the only one that is, this guy is the only one that's just born from me this way. He needs to have someone else that's also in the very same way. That he can behold that person, see that person as one that comes from him, which is very important. It's very important. People, we are really stretching mind here today. And next Sunday we'll talk about this again. So, yes, man. Um, God didn't want to bring forth Eve out of the dust of the earth and bring, bring him. Because that would not do the thing. That would not help him. Uh, the animals that was taken from the dust of the earth, you know, brought before man. Those animals could talk. We don't know who and what they actually were, but... It was a very intelligent being. And, and Adam said, this doesn't help me to stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Not that he... Now I'm putting in my own words. Because God said, it's not good that man is alone. Adam, tend to this garden. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's not good that man's alone. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's not good that man's alone. Why? Because should he be alone, it would be easier for him you know, to find his identity in that works. But now, if you can have something that does not even speak by her works, but speak by her origin, speak to him, and it speaks of what's true between him and God, just by looking at her and seeing the truth and knowing his origin, she, wherever she goes, doesn't matter what she does, if she's for him, against him, or whatever, just by design, by being, she talks about his origin and how he came forth and where he ca came forth and that would keep him from the belief of I am what I do. So here is, now listen to this, <coughs> here is Adam, crea uh, Eve created. How was she created? She was created from the rib of Adam. So what did Adam then say? Ah, this helps. She's flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. And I will call her Woman, for she was taken out of me. Where do we come from? When Jesus was hanging upon the cross, what happens? There was a sword put in his side, and outflow water and blood, and, and, and uh, uh, Jesus, Adam, the lost Adam, was put into a deep sleep, and he woke up, and who's there now? It is us. Taken from his death. Taken from his deep sleep. We come forth. Okay, that's where we come. That's where we come from. So we see this wonderful thing of where we, as humans, actually come from. And now let's take this to marriage. We, as as husbands, what do we see? We see this. Now this is also true for women, because we're talking about a spiritual truth and a type and a shadow. And we're going to talk about a type and a shadow uh, on the woman's part again next Sunday, and which will also include the man. But here, we, when we look at where we come from, the face of our origin, what do we say? We say our origin is this deep sleep that Jesus went into. He came out of the deep sleep. God took flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone, and created someone that's just like him. Okay, so now when Jesus beholds us, he also, he can say, taken from me.
This helps me. This sees who I really am. I, the Son of God, Jesus was born, is the only begotten of the Father. I come from the Father. I come forth from the Father. These come forth from me. So what do we say when we look at Jesus? We come forth from God. As what Jesus can say it of His Father, we can say it of Jesus. And when we see a woman, when I see a woman, when I see my wife, what does it talk about? It talks about the creation story. It talks about a woman was taken out of a man. So what does Helena remind me of all the time? I'm taken from God. I'm not taken from the dust of the earth. I'm not taken from the works of God. I'm not taken from, I'm not taken from what God could bring forth by His works. I'm taken from who God is in His very being. In Jesus Christ, you know. And then it says, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. So what does that mean when I leave my mom and dad and I go and marry Lena and stay with her? What does that mean? That to me doesn't just talk about this truth here. It talks to me about the fact that Jesus would leave his father and his mother Father God and the Holy Spirit, He didn't leave them as abandoned them, but He left the place of being spirit, just a spirit, into a place where He became one flesh with man, that He's got our flesh. And now He left that abode of just being a spirit, and now forever will be human. So now when I think I'm married to Helena, I'm living in the same house with her, what do I think when I see her? She's a help me. She helps me to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when I behold her, I see the face of my origin. <laughs> Glory to God! Glory to God. Now I know many of you might think I'm sucking this out of my thumb. Well, it helps me. It blesses me. It gives Helena, a it gives me a completely different way of looking at Helena. Um, even my children, when I look at my children, I don't see just, uh, you know, this is just my son. When I see my children, I see my relationship with God. It helps me. How does that help me? It helps me to, you know, how did they come forth? They, ca they came forth out of the union of flesh. And because of this union, and because of the seed, and you know, all of this, she brought forth fruit, and this my seed brought forth fruit in her, and she was bearing, I was actually bearing my fruit in her. What does that talk about? It talks about and reminds me all the time, I don't have to bear fruit by my own works, but His seed will bring forth the fruit in me. What does that bring, what does that make of my son? It puts, uh, it reprograms my subconscious mind, it reprograms my way of thinking, it reprograms, it just puts in the subconscious mind a different value on my son. It, I see him as my son and as a human, definitely. But it just makes, just the type and shadow just points to a different truth, uh, or, or to the truth of who I am in Christ. And being reminded of that, I treat him with dignity, with worth. And the very same with my wife. The very same with Helena. When I can see her, you know, this morning I, I, I said to her, you know, it's so wonderful that I could just prepare this message again and look at this again. I mean, I've seen this for a long time and now I've, um, but I've never preached on it. And uh, so I, as I was looking at this again and, and thought, let me just preach this on marriage and um, uh, uh, I just said to her, you know, Helena, just by having my mind refreshed with this message, and this just brings forth life to my mind. I just see you as so, so wonderful, even more than what I always saw you. Um, you know, this, when I, today, even when she was walking in church, walking up and down there, I just see 
beauty. I just see wonderful. I just see, I love this woman. And when I, when I see that, what, the, the origin of that feeling comes from who and what she reminds me of. And she reminds me of my relationship with God, my origin, where I come from. And that, because she is, she is the, 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 the very thing that is in front of me, before me, in front of me. Because she is that in front of me, I can see her. And I've got something in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit reminding me, and I've got something in the physical reminding me that she's taken from me. You know what it does for, my, for me? It's just the respect that I have for God. The love that God projects towards me in this revelation then brings forth love for her. That is it. That is it. This morning I said to the, um, to the ladies in our church, the last thing you ever want to do is tell your husband, you must love me as Christ has loved me. If you do that, you'll destroy the guy. Even if you have a verse for it, I don't care. I don't care. And I tell you the truth now, this will give you life if you can submit to this truth. If you can handle this truth and say, God, show me this truth. If you go to your husband and say to him, this is what the Bible says. And I said this this morning because we find, you know, um, this truth of, and I've preached many times on it, you know, husbands love your wives as Christ has loved the church. Now, that was not addressed to the wife. It was not written to the wife. It was written to the husband. If you read that and quote that to your husband, I want to tell you, you're leading him to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because what you're actually doing to him is you are telling him, this is what you must do to have something good. Now, but you might say, but you know, Bertie, you, this is not right because Paul wrote it. Now listen, if Paul writes to me and says to me, Bertie, you need to love Eliana as Christ loved the church. What is he doing? He's drawing... From the, is drawing life from the revelation of Christ's love for me. That is what he does. And I want to tell you, 95% of all men, even more, I'm just guessing a figure here, it's just a guesstimation here, of men on this earth that are Christians, has got no clue on how much God loves them, and then using that verse on them will be Lord to them, and it will destroy your marriage. That's what it will do. You in your being as a wife, you know, just in marriage, when he understands what marriage really is, when he understands, I don't want to say what marriage is, when he understands his marriage with God in Christ, he will see you in a completely different light. And then you, just by you being his wife, not by you submitting, not by you anything, you will, that union, understanding marriage, not based on the works of the wife, but based on the design of what God brought forth. Because Adam could see life before Eve ever did anything for him. And then what happened in the Garden of Eden? Eve was deceived. She wasn't in a right mind when she did what she did. She thought, I'm doing good for my husband. I want to, I, I'm here, I want to, I, I want to see that he's got life. And I want to see life and blessing to my husband. And from that sincerity being deceived, she came and gave him something that he was not supposed to have, which was the 
tree of the knowledge of good and evil, having your life based on your works. And I think that happens many times today as well, you know. We must be careful, and this, this just comes to my mind now, you know, as I'm saying this, that, that as a wife, you know, if your husband does not have this, relation, this revelation, what you can do is pray to God that he will get this revelation. Because there's no life out of commanding him, how he, what he must do. It will never be. You are in your sincerity where you want him to have life. You are actually leading him to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Thinking that this works thing of if you love me like this and if you do this then the marriage will work. No, we can have life in our marriage by applying this law. No, you cannot. Even if there's a scripture in the New Testament for it. That whole verse in Galatians 5 is born from husbands, you know, love your wife as Christ loved the church. How does Christ love the church? I've just explained how the birth of the church takes place. I've explained all of this. And when he must can get quiet, get away, I'm not... I, I, and men, I want to say this to you. You might be in a marriage where you know you've messed up. You know you've wronged your wife. You know you've cheated on her. You know you're passive. You know you're not doing things right. Listen, get all this thing of, I'm trying to fix my marriage out of your mind and go and say to God, God, I need to know how much you love me. I want to hear your words of affirmation. I want to hear you speak to me. Things that I can see how I'm taken from you. Because only in this revelation that first comes from you creating me, where I've got a revelation of who and what I am, where I can then behold something that is a true reflection of what's between me and you, which is this wife, which is taken from me as I was taken from you. Then only can I, well I have that, that life and that, effortless uh, fruit of having words of affirmation, words that evokes her beauty, where I can love her, where I can show you know, compassion towards her, where I can be intimate with her, where I can love her. Only then, Father. And then you, you, you just say, Lord, I'm open for it. And if you see, don't see a change, you know, don't let anybody force you. Just say, God, I'm going to have the authentic thing. you going to bring this forth in me and I'm here to hear what you say about me until I find this beautiful revelation where when I look at my wife, when I look at my children, I find this truth come forth. Glory to God. Glory to God. Um, that's what we need to do. How many of us, church, as I'm talking to the men here, feel pampered by God? We as men just feel we need to, we need to bring in uh, uh, money. We've worked ourselves half to death for our families. We've done whatever we can. Um, I come home tired and then I hear this nagging of, you know, my wife nagging with me. I must spend time with the kids. I'm so tired and this and that and whatever. Oh my goodness, now I must do this, I must do this and I don't know what. And, and then you start to rather hang out at the bar than hearing the nagging at home and now it's just difficult for you. How many of us in this whole system of from young, we, we taught as men, you must bring in the money. Not that I say it's not so. And not that I say you're not a provider. I'm not saying that. You know, I'm saying that is good. Uh, and that's a natural thing for us. But we've made it a law. We've made it a work. And we find our identity in that. Instead of being pampered by God. And from there, you know, we come to a place where we cannot find the fruit that they're supposed to be. The best thing you can ever do for your marriage is to go and sit down and say, God, speak to me and teach me who I am. To the point that I can see 
that I'm taken from your side, that I'm flesh of your flesh, that I can say, I submit to you. What that means is, I trust that your life is my life. Where you can see that beautiful picture and where when you see yourself as the wife in the relationship between you and God and then you with that emotion of I'm so valuable when you look then at your wife the subconscious mind is immediately or automatically programmed to see her in that light and you find effortless you do things that's, that she likes you know, you talk to her, you phone her, you send her a text, you send the flowers, whatever, you know, she likes. And you do that. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, you are not in a place where you say, have my wife submitted to me, therefore I love her. No, no. The fact that she is your wife, the fact that she is a woman, the fact that she's taken from man, and the revelation of Christ becomes the source of your action towards her. Glory to God. Now, next Sunday we're going to talk about the woman and how submission works in the New Testament. And I want to tell you, it's going to be as liberating as what I've shared with you now. It's not about, well, I just submit and I'm the slave of the husband. It's not like that, you know. Neither is it this modern day thing of, you know, a woman just wants to rule and be the boss. It's also not that, you know, because we are not for that in church. We are not for the thing. A woman is not the slave of a husband. You know, neither um, is the woman sitting on the head of the husband trying to rule and reign him because of all the past hurts. Let me just say this, and I know this can upset some people um, because of the abuse that there was in the past. Any teaching that's got abuse as a foundation, in other words, you want to counter your hurt. I don't care how many scriptures you use for it, the father of the teaching is the devil. That's it. So if men took the verse in the Bible that says wife shall submit to a husband, the wife must respect her husband and those kind of things and honor him and abuse that and then the woman get upset and say but we are not just nothing we are, you are just as much in the image and likeness of God as any man there is, in Christ there is no man, woman, slave free nothing we are all the same in Christ you know that is the actual truth um, but when we in a marriage we've got this type and shadow um, of the truth and we find the family relationship before our eyes all the time glory to God confirming the truth so as a woman you can then go or um, men that feel they want to stand up for women's rights or whatever and I'm not saying women shouldn't have rights I shouldn't even, see, I shouldn't even use the word women's rights because that's politics I'm talking about abuse you know in, in marriage and those kind of things we stand up use scripture because we were angry on how our fathers beat up our mothers we're angry because you know we've always been as women the nothing and now from that anger you find scripture and you want to have your stand you know I want to tell you you're heading for disaster. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Oh, Bertie, you know, but you live in Africa and you guys have a different system there. Rubbish. It's not about the South African system, it's not about the American system, it's not about the European system. It is any teaching born from hurt will never produce life. It cannot produce life. Even if you use a verse in its context, if the father of it is hurt and not the Trinity, it will produce death in you. So we're going to have a look at, at this because um, next Sunday as well, 
you guys need to understand. Let me some uh, 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 end the end the message. I know a lot is said, and I know that this can stretch your mind. But the wife helps the husband by just being created. That's how she helps the husband in marriage. To the point that he says, I can see the truth. Adam prophesying to Christ, I can see the truth. A man will leave his father and mother for he will be one for his one flesh with this woman. That's how he sees his union. And that speaks of his design. He's, he's united with that. Can you see how that union of flesh takes place in this revelation? And how it talks about us and Christ. So now when I see my, my wife, I say, you know, Jesus left his abode of just being spiritual. The Son of God before time, just spirit. And he became flesh. And he now dwells with me. Do you see how that keeps me away from the knowledge of good and evil and keeps my identity in Christ? That's how I see my wife. Glory to God. Well, guys, thank you so much for watching. I would like to pray for you guys. Father, thank you so much for everybody that is here. Thank you, Father, that people's lives can be impacted. Thank you that people can be set free. And I declare the marriages in Dynamic Love Web Fellowship, that they are all healed, that they are healthy. And I thank you, Father, that a humble spirit comes to every person where they can just submit to your word over their life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. You guys are awesome. Thank you just for who you are. If you've got any questions, please send it to info.dynamicministries.com or contact one of our web, um, web pastors. They would love to pray for you and uh, just be there for you. Please make sure you also go onto our website, dynamicministries.com, click on Web Fellowship, see our different interest groups. Uh, there also is a place where you can see who the different pastors are and contact with them. One announcement, next Sunday we're going to introduce to you guys our youth pastors. So we're going to start a youth ministry. Next Sunday you will hear everything about it. Just, keep our, um, just look at our pages. We will talk about that on our pages as well. And I just trust that the youth are going to be so blessed uh, through this couple. Thank you so much, guys. God bless you.